This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 426, Comic Talk Spotlight on the Epic Collections with John Rhett Thomas, also known as Gormu. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and this is episode 426. It's our Comic Talk Spotlight episode on the Marvel Epic Collections with guest John Rhett Thomas, also known as Gormu on the Marvel Masterworks forums. Uh, so we're going to get into this in just a moment. First of all, I want to thank uh, listener uh, Earl. Um, Earl Lloyd had uh, given us actually a positive review back in July on the American version of, of iTunes, uh, where he had said um, that he liked the podcast. He said, my favorite podcast, love the podcast, wish you could do a follow-up podcast episode 258, the Marvel Epic Collections episode. What are your thoughts since that episode? Have their story selections met your expectations? Which stories would you have chosen, etc.? Personally, I've been quite happy with their selections, but what are your thoughts? Um, so we decided to do another episode taking a look at the Epic Collections. Um, I put out a call on the Marvel Masterworks forum saying, you know, who would be a good person to have on the episode as a guest. Um, resoundingly, the the answer from actually John Red Thomas, who's actually on the episode, he said that we should get Jeff York to do it. Uh, he's actually on the Marvel Masterworks forums often. Uh, he works uh, on the Epic Collections. Unfortunately, we weren't able to uh, get him on the show at this point in time. But he said, you know what, you should get John Red Thomas to do it. So I said, absolutely, let's get him on. Um, so John and I sat down to talk about the Epic Collections. There's a lot of deviations in the episode. We also talk about the Masterworks. We also talk about omnibuses for a little while. Uh, but it's actually kind of a fun episode, kind of looking at at uh, what we both kind of like about the the uh, collections in general, uh, and then we get into some more specifics as well. So I uh, hope you enjoy this episode. Um, so we'll jump into it in just a moment. There were some questions submitted from the Marvel Masterworks forum. Unfortunately, uh, John doesn't actually work on production of these uh, of the Epic Collections, so some of the questions I actually ended up not using them just because he doesn't actually have the answer to the questions. So there wasn't really a reason to include them. Um, but some of the ideas and some of the questions I tried to inject into the conversation as well. Um, so that'll be coming up in just a moment. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like the show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. If you do rate and review us on iTunes, please let me know because I'm in Canada and don't always see unless I go checking for it um, any comments on the US page um, I, as I said it was a long time before I realized that Earl had even put that great review and comment and I really appreciate him doing that um, so if you do send us a rating review please let me know and I'll make sure to read it on the air but I need to know that it's on the US version or the UK version because I know we've had some uh, UK uh, ratings and reviews as well uh, upcoming episodes we should have episodes with uh, Devin Grayson coming up in the next couple of weeks uh, as well as an episode with John Ostrander um, and and then I think Fred Van Lente is going to do an episode. Uh, sometime in the new year, we're going to be having Eric Larson hopefully on the show. We've had an issue with scheduling, but hopefully we'll be able to work that out. Uh, Mark Buckingham should be on the show at some point in the new year as well. So some great stuff is coming down the pike. Uh, also, we're going to be having an episode looking at uh, Star Wars Rogue One when that comes out on December 16th as well. So thank you for listening to uh, my preamble. Let's get right into the episode as I talk about the Marvel Epic Collections with none other than the Marvel Masterworks Forum's John Rhett Thomas, otherwise known known as Gormu. Welcome back to the show, Gormu. How are you? I am well. <laughs> I, I, it, it tickles me to be referred to as Gormu. That, that cracks me up. So. Well, I guess we're, we're also used to it at this point. I know, I know. It just, it, when I, it, it doesn't register when I'm not on the boards. Mm. Uh, so when I'm out in public or I'm like this, it's like, wait a second. <laughs> I do go by that name, don't I? So, <laughs> it's kind of funny. 
So today we're going to be talking about the uh, the Marvel um, Epic line, um, which I guess started about three years ago, I believe. Um, now, you've been a big proponent and fan of the Marvel Masterworks for many, 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 many years since the original line. Um, what did you originally think of the Epic Collections when you first heard of them? Well, um, I thought it was a great idea. Um, it was kind of took me a little by surprise uh, because Marvel had been publishing the Masterworks in softcover. Um, and uh, they had done a few trades up to that point that were sort of proto-Epic Collections. Um, the brand Epic Collection had not been created yet, nor the trade design for the, you know, the graphic design of the books. But there had been like, I don't know, about a half dozen of those big, beefy uh, trades. Like, I think um, Cap- there was a Captain America one called the Captain... Oh, yeah, that then, was super beefy. There was the uh, Avengers Death of Yellow Jacket, or not Death of Yellow Jacket, but the Yellow Jacket one. And I think the Absolute Vision books as well. Um, so anyway, people just really liked those, and I thought they were great. Of course, I'm a Masterworks guy, so I'm content to buy stuff through Masterworks and Omnibus volumes. So um, the only trepidation I have, and this is personal as a collector, is that I, I didn't want to see where Epic Collections would sort of um, cut off at the pass um, Masterworks or uh, Omnibus volumes. But, you know, so far, so good. I, I don't really think there has been an occasion where it's happened in three years. Um, the, the, all the different lines have sort of done a little dance with each other to sort of stay out of their way. And so far, so good on that count. So, But as far as what I feel about it, it I think they're great. They're, you know, they're really... They hit the sweet spot for a, a large segment of collected editions fans. You know, full color, big, big chunks of comics, and, and the continuity is is respected greatly. Uh, so yeah, I think they're really cool. It's an interesting concept too, because I mean, for years we had the essentials, which were you know cheaper versions of being able to get all these classic stories, but in black and white was always kind of the the trade off. You got a lot of issues, but you didn't get them in color. And now we're actually getting. All the all these issues in color, and it's interesting as well that we're getting these volumes in and around. Like they're not in sequential order, which is very different as well. They're kind of jumping around in volume numbers. How did you first kind of feel about that? Where we're getting stuff from like you know eighty eight, and then going back to the sixties, and then the seventies. What do you think of that kind of jumping around? I think it's awesome. I think it's great, and uh, it it does it 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 helps in a lot of areas. Um, for one thing, I think when you when you look at it like that, if you peel off, you know, 500 pages worth of any particular era, if your mappers are doing their job, which Marvel has some great mappers doing their jobs on these books, um, which we can get into a little later, I guess. But, um, you know, when you look at those big chunks, you can get a really full sense of the story or of that era. So you don't really feel like you're missing out on a lot because you're not reading from the very first issue. Because a lot of these books, they might kick off with a certain creator, like, you know, um, uh, trying to think of where that might be the case. Um, A creator or or a particular era, um, like Iron Man, they've sort of had a lot of the Michelinian latent stuff that they've they've pulled out. Um, At Silver Surfer, that third volume, you know, kicked off with the... Engelhart stuff from the 80s, you know? Mm-hmm. So we haven't even seen the second volume, which is all the Stan Lee and John Buscema stuff. That hasn't been published yet. 
Um, but we've got that third volume, and so you know, it's like starting fresh with a whole new era, and that's cool. And I think fans really dig that. And to be honest, they don't make a big deal out of the volume numbers. The volume numbers are very smartly put on the back cover. They're not on the spine. They're on the back cover. So people who um, care about organizing in that way will know there's an awareness of what chronological order these books come out in. But generally speaking, the books are able to be taken on their own. And I think I think that's really neat. And it, and it gives flexibility to Marvel's Collected Editions Department to hop around from era to era um, where, like, say, a movie's coming out um, and they want a key on a certain era of uh, comics that that movie might be sort of focused on, they don't have to be stuck with a chronological path of, say, the Masterworks might still be stuck in a certain era because Masterworks is all about doing it in chronological order, you know? So um, it gives them a lot of flexibility to bounce around uh, and give a diverse amount of material to people in a single format. And I think that's really awesome. And I guess also it's kind of, whenever you start a new line, there's always going to be some skeptics wondering, are they ever going to finish them all? Because we have, obviously there have been classic editions where we've gone up to a certain point and then we haven't had anything after that. So I guess for some, having the later volume numbers means like, oh, we're at least going to get up to this number. Like, yeah, it, yeah. It's psychologically, it, it definitely implies that for sure. Um, you know, discounting the Star Wars epic collections, which I don't know all that much about Star Wars, but there's been you know a bonanza of those. I mean, there's just about one a month, it seems like. <laughs> but with with a particular character line in the Marvel universe, you may get two a year, sometimes maybe one a year. So it, it is a little slow development, and you just you know. But you know, we gotta we gotta take Marvel at the word that they're gonna try to finish these out as much as possible by filling in between these volume numbers. But this is again, you know, even at the best case scenario, this is a lifetime pursuit for all of us. You know, we won't we wouldn't see say I don't know how many books there would be for Hulk, but like what twenty five Hulk books maybe, mm-hmm. and for a year uh, that's the next you know ten years. <laughs> before we see, you know, and, and that's two a year, so it's a long term initiative, that's for sure. Absolutely. Now, when the line initially started, I guess we had this the six main lines you had Iron Man, Thor, uh, Amazing Spider Man, Avengers, Fantastic Four, and Captain America. And obviously, since then, we've had almost a, a extremely rapid expansion with tons of other lines. Do you think that uh, it made sense for them to expand so quickly, so fast, or that they should have spent more time on those core lines? No, I, I think so. I think the original plan was to do these core lines. I, I haven't really talked with uh, David Gabriel. He's the sort of mastermind behind this about why they expanded. But my guess would be is that those initial books were received so well. And they were like, well, you know, and they also were developing other books. These things aren't happening in a vacuum. So you've got like an, an impulse to do books like, say, Power Man and Iron Fist, right? Or Iron Fist because of what's going on in Netflix. And why not call them epic collections? They're not, the trend has been to move away from doing, you know, five or six issue trades. People, the market seems to really like these trades that collect 400 to 500, you know, um, pages of content. Um, it's, it's just, it just feels like a really good bang for your buck for, for collectors. And so if you're going to be, if you know you're going to be putting out Power Man and Iron Fist books, why 
not do them as epics? And I think that's probably the calculus that's gone on with the decision to sort of extend the brand beyond, you know. Now, on the other hand, also, you still do have classic trades uh, in the sense of non-branded as epic, like the recent uh, Son of Satan collection. That book was almost 500 pages, and that could have been an epic collection, but they decided not to do that. So I think the books that are maybe only one volume or maybe only two volumes, they might not do as epic collections or... They may want to reserve epic collections for the really primary characters, you know, like um, the, the core characters that they want to focus on um, with comics and also TV and stuff like that. So, well, and that explains uh, why we got an Ant Man. It's conjecture on my part, but that just seems to be what I think is probably happening. So, well, it makes sense. I mean, I, it's interesting because, like, last, I guess last year we got the Ant Man one, and in and of itself, it seems like an odd choice, but obviously, with the Ant Man movie, it made sense, and why not kind of put that out as an epic collection? Although, I'm not sure what other Ant Man, Giant Man material there even is for an epic collection, or if there is any. <laughs> yeah, they might have. I know that there's been talk on the boards about wanting a third Ant Man uh, Masterworks, and so. You know, there there probably would be if you look at Ant Man, like the Marvel feature material starring Ant Man, and then the Black Goliath material, which heavily relied on the Ant Man Giant Man mythos, and then beyond that, all the Scott Lang stories, and then you could probably cobble together, you know, some solo stories from Avengers that focused on Ant Man uh, as a primary character. You could probably put together a pretty fat volume two for Ant Man. Hmm. Uh, epic collection so I, I don't know if they've been mapping stuff on my boards for epics or not I, I need to double check that but um, that might be an issue you know there's there's a lot of opportunity with epic collections to extend lines further than you think well, so. for, for sure now a question that had come up is uh, I guess what, uh, to what extent or what the end date of these epic collections is going to be and I don't know why everyone's kind of always assumed it was going to be Heroes Reborn in and of that era would kind of be the, the natural end point at least for the original collections uh, what, do you have any thoughts on when you think they would kind of cut it off or is it just going to continue indefinitely at some point um, I think it probably would be for like um, I don't know that's you know Heroes Reborn I think makes some sort of sense um, but that's for like the core titles that were involved with that the Avengers and Fantastic Four and the solo titles and stuff but then there's characters like Daredevil that kind of were business as usual for a while after Heroes Were Born into the late 90s and Spider-Man as well um, but Spider-Man's a different case too because you've got the Clone Saga which has already been sort of uh, done as quasi-epic collections but it made sense to brand those big fat books as you know, the Clone Saga books. And um, so you'll probably see Spider-Man epic collections sort of find an endpoint before the Clone Saga. Daredevil might go until the late 90s, when um, right before Joe Quesada came on board. In fact, it, that, in fact it actually already has. Uh, last year, uh, Volume 21 of Daredevil came out, which ended, right. which ended Volume 1. So it actually has come out already. So that's... The latest Daredevil volume ended with 98, and then after that, uh, the Marvel Knights stuff. So technically, right. it's already reached that point. Yeah, I, I hadn't even gotten that Daredevil book yet, so you're, you're right on with that. And, um, you know, but uh, what, how, I, 
I think that it's pretty much just sort of at some point in the 90s, it just is a case-by-case basis after that. I think once the Quesada took over as editor-in-chief, I doubt you'll see Epic, the Epic brand, reach into that era. Um, just because of the way that those stories were told, the narratives of the Quesada and Jemis regime were just different and um, maybe don't lend themselves as easily to an epic collection thing, you know. Um, so, but yeah, so probably the 90s, but I went, Heroes Are Born is probably legit for those core titles as, a, as an endpoint, but other titles probably different. So. It would definitely be something to kind of keep an eye on and be interested in. I mean, for those who care about that kind of stuff. I mean, the latest, besides the Star Wars stuff, I think Wolverine has the latest uh, solicited um, epic yeah. collection. Because I think it it goes up until the year 2000, actually. Cause it's, Correct. Uh, so it's interesting to kind of see where they push that boundary. And it's interesting that they're kind of pushing more into the, the X line as well. Because originally it was purely kind of Avengers titles and Spider-Man. And now, as it kind of grows, now we're seeing X-Force, New Mutants, X-Factor, all kind of being lumped into the uh, Epic program, which makes sense, but at I, some point it might get confusing. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, especially X-Men, my goodness, that probably keeps people up at night. Like, how, how are we going to collect this one? Uh, but uh, I, think they're, I think they're doing their due diligence on setting up these maps. I know that if Jeff, Jeff York is sort of the, the guy who sort of helps... Um, Put those together and make sure that they're all, you know, fine tuned. And um, so, I think I think you know when you see a book that may bring up the rear of the epic line, that you can bet that they already have a really good idea of what's going to be between all these books. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all going to be about four hundred to five hundred pages uh, in length, um, and they're you know they're all going to the contents are all going to make sense. So, uh, so that's cool. Looking at Avengers, it's interesting because, and I know Jeff's been active on the boards recently talking about the uh, Operation Galactic Storm epic collection because that's so much non-Avengers content technically because it's, I mean, I think it only has uh, three issues of Avengers itself, but because it's such a huge storyline, they have, they can't not include everything else. Uh, So that's going to be an interesting epic collection that doesn't actually have a lot of books from that, you know, the, the name of the title, technically speaking. Right. Yeah, but you know, it was it was fully an Avengers event. Absolutely. And, and the Avengers were the that was the core of the of that event storytelling and all the all the solo titles sort of reflected that. And so that'll be a fun book, you know. I mean I already I already had the other two trades, but it'll be nice to have it all in one book just to make it feel like, you know, one synonymous reading experience. That'll be kinda cool. Are you gonna upgrade to the new volume? Oh hell yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, I am that type of nerd. So I, I do like the epic collections. I I get the epics for the, the comics that I don't have in Masterworks or Omnibus. Okay. Um, and if uh, you know, if at some point um, an Omnibus or a Masterworks catch up to where an epic is, then I'll upgrade. I consider those lines upgrades, and then I'll sell off or I'll give away. You know the epic collection so i do like Although, how so there's a, there, there is one difference there i i do love the epic collections that are like that first hulk volume um i i picked that one up i picked up the silver surfer even though i have all those stories 
in uh, Masterworks, I like to have them organized um, the way they are in these epic collections. Um, because they, they gathered, like the Hulk one gathers all his appearances outside of that first six issues. So Fantastic Four, The Avengers, um, Spider-Man, and it, and it puts them in chronological order. And it's just, that's a fun book. I, I, I like that book a lot. So likewise with Silver Surfer. So It's interesting that they, they kind of come up with ways to, I, I'm gonna, it sounds negative, but it kind of lure people into buying them because even though you have some of the material already, it's, it's adding something extra that you didn't have, uh, making, it, making it a more complete package, which is a smart business sense uh, to kind of get people who have already kind of bought into Masterworks or Omnibuses to kind of come back for more. Yeah, in those in those volumes too, and you know you don't have to buy it. <laughs> I mean, it's they, they they people often forget that Marvel is trying to package material sometimes for different audiences. You know, there's audiences that may want a Silver Surfer collection, and they don't want to have to buy four or five different Fantastic Four, and and there was Hulk I think was in there as well. They don't want to buy four or five different books to get all those early stories of the Silver Surfer. They just want to buy the one book because they really dig the Silver Surfer, and it puts them all in that one book. And so Marvel is doing it. You know, you could say, "Ah, I'm buying this stuff twice," but you know, you don't have to buy. You don't have to buy either. You can have one if you want. Uh, but for that one guy out there or girl that wants their Silver Surfer book, they got it. So <laughs> that's, that criticism just doesn't go very far with me. So fair enough. I was always surprised that uh, of the, of all the Daredevil stuff they could have put into the first epic, that they went with uh, the, the the '90s um, Fall from Grace. Now I'm a big fan of that era of Daredevil for some reason because I was the right age at the time, but I was still like, "Wow, this is the first one. This is the one you come out of the gate with." But I guess it yeah. made sense because the Andesenti stuff had some of it had been reprinted already. Obviously, the Frank Miller stuff had been reprinted tons. So I right. guess it was kind of a an interesting kind of force foray, and I think originally it wasn't even solicited as an epic. It was just a new volume. I think I promoted right. it before we was even at an epic, and then suddenly it was kind of everyone's kind of found out that oh, it's actually an epic now. Because yeah, I remember the, when that, I remember when that happened. Yeah, um, it's kind of a big deal. Pretty, I haven't read that stuff yet. Uh, is Electra in that? She is she a main character in that material? Uh, yeah, she's in it. Okay, I think. I think they wanted. I think, if I remember correctly, they wanted to get some Electra stuff out, and that seemed like a good place to, to put some Electra material out. Was that book? Okay, um, that makes sense so then. That's an example of them going, "Hey, let's. We need some Electra. What can we? What can we do this Electra?" And then they're like, "Well, this run of Daredevil has her, you know, as a primary character." So it started from there, and then. We, it wound up as being the first Daredevil epic collection, and then after that, I think very quickly after that, we got a couple. We got one Electric trade, like that miniseries, and then now we have this um, the Larry Hama and Mike Diodato run, Peter Milligan run, is all in one trade now, and I, I actually helped put that book together. I researched. Oh, really? The book. Yeah, because that's that's uh, I love I love that art from that book, and I have all those issues. So. It's it's a gorgeous book. Yeah, like he he was really doing a good job on the art that at that point. Oh yeah, not that, he, that not that he was ever not good, but like he, it was really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's when he. I think he'd had five or six years in the industry, and 
it was really starting to show that his talent was really starting to develop and his depiction of Electra is just one of is just fantastic <laughs> I just think it's great so I'm gonna, I, that book, that's a book that I would look at just for the art you know? <laughs> I'm going to invite uh, total speculation here why do you think that that isn't an Electra uh, epic collection and is instead uh, complete collections uh, of that particular run is it because it would be too complicated to try and do an epic collection with Electra or uh, probably I don't I haven't really looked too much at her uh, back back list of comics but you know that could have been an epic collection but then the volume two might have just been this weird hodgepodge of stuff um, because I know that once her series revved up with Marvel Knights you know you you had different creators with weird oblong runs you know like <laughs> i think wasn't like the first six issues were by somebody like robert Rody, i think and then like and then greg rucka picked up for a really for like a 25 issue run or something something like I, that something like so looking at it from that point you've got 31 issues you don't want to break the rucka up so you know it just makes sense and with some lines like electro would probably be a line that just makes sense to do through regular classic trades and like ultimate collections and complete and whatever they call them. Um, it's probably just smarter with those lines to, to stay away from Epic. It looks like so. that, uh, that run of Electra actually was written by Bendis. Bendis. Yeah. Okay. Correct. I forgot yeah. about that, but yeah, he was him and uh, Chuck Austin. Didn't Robert Rohde write some Electra or am I? It might've been right after. Okay. Kind of in yeah. the middle between him and Rucka. I can't, I, it's a little bit of a gray area for me right now, but I know yeah. the Bendis started it. Well, I've not read any of that Bendis Electra, so I mean, I'm, I have some of the trades. I've just have never gotten around to reading them, um, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm hopeful one day that they'll do like a big omnibus of a lot of that material, and just because it is sort of confusing. But if they just stuck it all into one big book, that might be the best way to go. So absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's it's interesting. It's an interesting. Uh, kind of dilemma that comes up especially in that kind of era too right like there's as you said in the kind of early Quesada era there's a lot of interesting runs but they're not always quite like they're they'd be odd the package in a larger collection right and also you're once you get into that run too you know the paper stock changed a lot of that material was was meant to be printed on you know the slick paper and epic collections don't really the epic collections are more for classic material that needs to be Restored and it was printed on newsprint, uh, you know, and uh, and it just doesn't lend itself necessarily to that. I think I think the Epic brand is 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 built around classic era comics as we know it lasted through the '90s, you know, and and that's pretty much I think going to be the demarcation for what the Epic brand means to consumers. So, but you know, we could be proven wrong. We'll see. Who knows? There's. Mm-hmm. Plenty of time. Although, you know, in Star Wars, I think Star Wars proves me wrong on that because they are publishing material. But Star Wars, I look at it as sort of a different... It does have the epic brand, but it just is just different because... It feels not, different. Yeah, most of that stuff was not published by Marvel. Um, and it's just... it's the, the epic brand is sort of, you know, been hijacked for Star Wars, you know. But, you know... We'll see if uh, we'll see if it extends into uh, into later periods, but I think they're more content to just do long career runs for like Black Panther by Christopher Priest. Are these complete collection trades? The Thunderbolts books, um, 
Thunderbolts books were all Thunderbolts classic, and then now it's Hawkeye and the Thunderbolts. That drives me nuts. And, uh, and uh, well, you know, it does, but th- that's the price we pay as collectors, I guess, is like if we want this material, we have to uh, accommodate the sort of marketing needs that Marvel has. And, like, uh, they could have called it Thunderbolts Classic Volume 4, but it sells more if they call it Hawkeye and the Thunderbolts because Hawkeye's name is on there. Absolutely. Oh, oh I, I understand it. It just it still can drive me nuts. But I am also so happy that that material got reprinted that I'm like, you know what, if that's the price I have to pay to have it, I don't care. Right. Like, right. I love that material. I'm glad that I can now have it on my shelf and it's easy to hand it to someone. So I'll, I'll take that because that's some of my favorite Thunderbolts material. Absolutely. It's so awesome. It's not a big deal. To, I mean, it's it's one of those things that, like, on your shelf, you'd like it to look a little bit neater, but at least it's on my shelf. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I, I'll, all I care about is if if, uh, if the series is called, like, classic or whatever, that those spines line up with each other, right? Absolutely. But it doesn't bother me if they transition from Thunderbolts classic to Hawkeye and Thunderbolts, as long as those spines inside each of those titles are sort of synonymous with each other visually what do you think of the uh, the overall kind of design of the epic collection in terms of the trade dress i think they're cool i think they're fine it's 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 efficient you know it's it's nothing it's nothing fancy but it's uh it's definitely eye-catching to where if you know what you're looking for when you're browsing in the store you can spot them i think that I think that putting the volume number on the back was kind of a genius move, and uh, it, it satisfies both sides of the fan base that really cares about that stuff, um, you know, but doesn't maybe want it on their on the spine. And um, you know, it's uh, I think it's fine, and I think it'll I think it'll age well as well, you know, as well, which is an important consideration for. Um, a line of books that will probably take about, geez, you know, 15 years or so to fully manifest, you know. For sure. Well, and I think it because some of us fans are a little bit OCD, having the number on the spine would be almost more of a frustration because it looks incomplete. Exactly. You know, if it looks like, oh, you, you have volume 20, but where are the other 20? Right. It's like, well, they haven't come out yet. Anyone who exactly. looks at you might be like, "Well, that's weird." I'm like, "No, no, it, it's a plan. I'm like, this is right. this is the way it's designed." But yeah, it's right. kind of it looks strange. Whereas having it on the back is a little bit nicer. And I, I a touch I like on the back as well is having the years. I think it was right. a nice touch because it definitely uh, yeah. feels like you're getting, uh, you know, the snapshot of, of Marvel history at a certain time. So it's not just you know the 18th volume of Daredevil. It's this is what Daredevil was doing in '93 and '94. Exactly, and uh, yeah, those are really nice little touches. And it also sends an important message for a line like this, which Marvel obviously wants us all to buy. Um, you know, it's like it sends the message to consumers of like, look, we are paying attention to this stuff. We care. We're, we are methodically um, organizing these books and we're in it for the long run. And um, it's sort of what it's sort of it's doing the same thing that Masterworks does, um, which Masterworks has that same um, concept is like we we are being very serious about how we organize these books and put them together and so if you jump on board with us stick with us then you will get a complete reading experience you know of course they, there may be a few bumps on the way you know 
mistakes are made, but I don't think they've made any yet with Epics. Um, and so it's all good. So yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I just think that these books are, have been very well executed so far. So which line are the, are you the most surprised that they've kind of delved into or that they even launched? Is there any line that you're actually surprised by? Not really. Um, you know, it was nice to see Moon Knight, I guess that was kind of a surprise. Um, uh, I think, you know, my gut feeling is whenever you see something like Moon Knight come out as an epic collection, that they're gearing that character up for something. You know, that that's just sort of the, you know, it's like that character you may see in Netflix or you may see in the movies or something like that. Uh, it's just that's what it, that's what it says to me as someone who sort of follows these things closely. Um, but we'll see about that. But Moon Knight was sort of a surprise. But I was I was kind of hoping that Masterworks would get to Moon Knight first um, because there are two different um, production crews that make, you know, Corey manages the Masterworks and then, you know, a whole different group runs the epics. Although, Corey, well, that's, let me rewind on that. Um, Corey does the Masterworks and Corey does a lot of the epics that are in his domain. Like, anything that's been Masterwork, Corey will oversee the epic collection. Um, and he's also done a few other epic collections that um, he did. I think the first Power Man and Iron Fist, and he did uh, he did some others. Um, not it's not coming to me now, but he's done some others. Um, so uh, uh, I lost track. I lost focus. What was I saying? Uh, you you almost lost me. <laughs> uh, which, which one surprised me? Um, and I was talking about Moon Knight. I was hoping that Masterworks would do Moon Knight, but yeah. I'm happy with the Epic Collection. So, well, no, when it, when and if Masterworks gets to Moon Knight, you're going to buy that all over again. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, <laughs> that's an upgrade. Absolutely. I prefer hardcover books, and so if Masterworks or Omnibus was to do Moon Knight, I would uh, I would happily um, buy those books. Is there um, a, a specific kind of line or a volume of a line that you would be really excited to pick up or that you're really looking forward to them getting to? Are you talking about Epic Collections? Uh, let's go with Epics, yeah. Yeah, I guess um, I guess I'd like to see uh, the material that like won't come to Masterworks for a long time. But like so like Peter David's Incredible Hulk Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would actually like to see them start up with the books that have already been in those Visionaries trades because I just, I don't know, I don't have all of those Visionaries trades. I think they're all out of print now. I think so, yeah. And um, it, it just seems like it's time for me to see that material come out in a new format, although maybe Amos would be even better for that. But, but that would be, I would like to see Peter David's Hulk finished out. That would be fun. There's a lot of it, man. So Epic will be busy <laughs> for a while. Um, I guess the Silver Surfer. It's unlikely that we'll see that in uh, Masterworks for a while. So to see that continue um, would be cool because most of that stuff I've never read. Um, the '90s Silver Surfer I've never really read. So the, the and I guess Wolverine as well. Wolverine to me, most of that's brand new to me. The '90s. <laughs> stuff so those would probably be the ones where I would be like looking for new volumes 
And what about Masterworks? What are your kind of your your still like must-haves on Masterworks? Because I think last time we talked, like there was a few things that were coming out that you were really excited about. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'm obviously excited uh, for every new Masterworks. I buy them all, and I'm really enthusiastic about all of them. I don't think there's really any one line that currently exists that I'm. You know, Corey's done such a good job of managing that line. And it's not like I'm sitting around going, "Doggone it, why isn't this out yet?" You know, it's just, <laughs> that's just not been the case with Masterworks, um, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, there's the annual slots that are reserved for all these major characters. So every year, you know, uh, you get a Daredevil book, and every year you get a Captain America book. And I guess the, around the corner, we're going to get. Captain America, the Jack Kirby stuff. So I'm excited about that. Um, to me, that'll represent an upgrade to the trades that we've already gotten on that. Um, Daredevil, every Daredevil volume is is material that I've never read, except random issues here and there. Mm-hmm. It's one step closer to the Frank Miller era, which I'm really excited about to get in Master X. I know it's been omnibus, but I just want to see Master X take a crack at, at Daredevil. Um, Defenders, I'd love to see more Defenders. I, I really am excited to see the next volume of Defenders, which would be the stuff Keith Giffen worked on. Um, and then the volumes after that, I know they started an epic line that picks up with the 90s issues in the 90s and early 100s. Um, so the future of Defenders and Masterworks is unclear, but I hope we get at least one more. Um, or maybe more um, and I guess uh, that last Submariner volume I'm excited about <laughs> and I want to see more um, actually I'm pretty excited to see Thor continue um, I, I really want that Roy Thomas Eternals material collected in hardcover so those are about those are the next three, two or three volumes will be getting us all that material so and of course, X Men, which goes without saying, that's probably my favorite line um, at this stage is, is uh, Uncanny X Men, and I hope that, that I hope we see annual volumes for that. Uh, but we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But and I uh, think is it next year that they're bringing out uh, Peter Parker Spectacular Spider Man and Masterwork too? Well, now I don't really want to say, but you know, there has been I think some Amazon leakage or some Hatchet catalog leakage. Yeah. Yeah, it was in the Hatchet catalog, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Well, that's a good indicator. The Hatchet catalog is a good indicator. Now, the Hatchet catalog doesn't get everything right, but that is a good indicator that, you know, Peter Parker, uh, you know, is on the horizon. And it makes sense because Amazing Spider-Man is already up to that period. And um, so it makes sense to balance that out with what was going on in Peter Parker. Um, you know, but I'm not going to confirm that right now. Just <laughs> That's keep, fair. Keep, keep your eyes peeled every month when we do our Masterworks announcements, and we'll, we will see. <laughs> um, but uh, the other thing, too, the other balancing, part of that balancing act, though, is Marvel Team-Up. And, I, I man, if all I want every Masterworks fan to get on their hands and knees and pray that we can get some more of those books you know um just a lot of a lot of factors involved with um some of the content in those books and it's just not the masterworks mission to skip past material so you know 
we'll have to wait and see if, if that material will be able to be included, but I sure hope it, it will be. So speaking specifically about like Doc Savage and mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. So we'll see how it goes. What is it about Marvel Team Up, especially that you kind of really dig, or is it just because it's it's very of its time, or like what is it about Marvel yeah, Team Up? I mean, I, well, I I, uh, I like, I mean, I have no special favor favor towards that title, other than it was cool that every month Spidey was teaming up with a new character, and so I like that diversity. Um, those weren't necessarily the best comics. Um, I think the burn. And Claremont period was sort of the creative high water mark for Marvel Team Up, so that is still sort of on the horizon. But um, but just the novelty of the comic itself was pretty cool. You had you know all these different characters teaming up with Spider Man, and just as a kid, I just got off on that alone. You know that was fun. Um, but as a as a Masterworks fan, it's nice to it's nice to see Masterworks canonize Marvel history. Mm-hmm. And so Marvel Team-Up is an important part of that, especially during the 70s and early 80s. And we're kind of hung up on just a little, you know, nagging detail of getting a couple different characters through the through the loop, you know. Um, and until that happens, you know, that line and also Marvel 2 and 1 are kind of stuck, you know. And just, I want to see those become unstuck. And that's just my... Just for the just for the Masterworks line as a organic whole, I want to see those freed up and continue. So, to switch gears a little and to go a little while off topic as well, um, you mentioned you know you like the hardcover collections. Um, do you think the Omnibus line in the last couple of years has kind of exploded a little? It felt like it was slowing down at some point, and now it feels like there's no end in sight and nothing is safe from an Omnibus. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I, I feel great if that's the case. I, honestly, I haven't been so tuned in that I've been watching the month-to-month uh, release schedule to be aware of whether or not we have had an explosion. I, I'd like to see those numbers. I'm sure you're right about that. Um, but uh, but I I love the omnibus. I don't think there's been... You know, there's a few omnibus that leave you scratching your head. But for the most part... I greet every omnibus with open arms, and I want them on my shelf. Um, I'm just a big fan of comics and comics history, and even if it's a book that I'm only mildly interested in, if I feel like I can get years' worth of material conscientiously mapped out and put in a hardcover, you know, I, I will probably want that book just just for a reference alone, you know. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's great to see the omnibus just jang tackle like the guardians of the galaxy i mean (laughs) that has been wonderful to see all that material just get scooped up and the annihilation stuff and all the stuff war of kings and uh and then the main title and then even going back you know and looking at the valentino stuff is now an omnibus and it's just great Uh, you know it's just great to see all that stuff get packaged up um, on the flip side, it's kind of a drag to see lines like Ultimate Spider-Man and the New Avengers stuff by Bendis just sitting there with just that one volume, and because mm-hmm. that's that's all such great material. And I hate to see those lines go quiet. They've been quiet for so long, and it's frustrating for me to see that happen. Um, so hopefully, those lines will get revved back up. Um, 
when this new Spider-Man movie comes out, they'll uh, kick, kick it back up with the Ultimate Spider-Man mm-hmm. stuff. So we'll see. But, uh, uh, I have to ask the question: which, which one, which omnibuses kind of made you scratch your head then? Because you did mention that some of them were more like head scratchers. So I kind of want to know which ones. <laughs> well, uh, that Marvel Now book, I, oh. I thought that was kind of weird. Um, I know that DC had done a similar type book where they, you know, did all their like um, New Fifty Two omnibus, which was like all the first issues of each 52 titles, you know, in one book. And then I think DC also did all the number zero books. Yeah. Conceptually that sounds cool, but you know, at that price point, people just, it's just a weird thing to offer up as a sampler, you know, maybe as a commemorative edition, like if it's really popular 10 years later, you do a 10th anniversary edition as a commemorative thing. But I, that's one that I didn't really get. And the, uh, the Ultimate book, I was starving for more Ultimate comics and Omnibus. And then we got that Ultimate book that had like the first six issues of each of the main series. That's weird. And, yeah, and that, that one didn't make sense to me because it's like, you know, again, I just don't think the Omnibus is the right format to, for sampler, for, for like people that are interested in the ultimate universe but haven't read anything um they're not going to be wanting to spend a hundred bucks on a book to find out if they like these different titles so that one confused me um like if we're on this topic it's a little bit of a side topic but like the a force presents trades where they had um you know little 15 dollars and they had the first issue of like six different series and they were thematic. So you had female, the female heroes. So like black widow, she Hulk, squirrel girl, the Thor. And then like, they did like six volumes of those. So you got each volume had a different issue. And I think that was conceptually really cool. And, um, that's the home for that type of idea. It's those types of trades or is, is in my opinion where I would go. I would stay away from the omnibus for that kind of stuff. But that's just me. Maybe, you know, there could be some reason they, those books exist that I just have no clue about because I'm not thinking in those terms and I'm completely missing it. Um, uh, I don't think you are, though. I mean, like, look at, like, the, the Marvel first, the 90s omnibus. Like, I don't know who that's for. <laughs> I don't know either because they weren't the first, like, the if you did a first book for the 60s, that would be kind of cool. Yeah. But the 90s was the first one and, yeah. That that's 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 an example of like darn it you know now the the seventy fifth anniversary omnibus was kind of cool um, those kinds of books are kind of neat I think those serve a purpose um, and then like the collectors are the creator centric books so like the Marvel Universe by John Byrne which has all of his comics that don't fit in the other omnibuses you know. Um, that's pretty cool. And I think they're doing one for Chris Claremont too, um, coming up. So those are neat. Um, yeah, but those would be the head scratchers. Otherwise, you know, you could look at a book like Muppets or the Wizard of Oz stuff and go, really? But at the same time, those are good comics. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, that's a whole different market that would buy those books than I, than I would. So those are, those are cool, even though I might not buy them. 
Uh, actually, I would buy the Oz books because those are just amazing books. Um, but I, I typically want my superhero books in omnibus. I want that's that's sort of what I'm interested in. Um, what was your first omnibus, or did you buy when the line started? Oh, I bought them when the line started. Yeah, absolutely. I was on top of that stuff like nobody's business, man. <laughs> I thought those were great. I think the first omnibus was Ultimate Spider-Man, actually. Um, but it was a Barnes and Noble exclusive. I don't That's know right. That. Yeah, that was the first one, and you're like, "What the hell?" And you're like, "That's amazing!" What you know, make more of those, you know. And then that went out of print, and then years later they brought it back into print, but without the exclusivity. And then now that's out of print, but they haven't followed it up with with other ones in that line. But yeah, I think that was the first one, um, and uh, it really it really blew people's minds. I think at the time, but I'm now not... so take it for granted now, you know. Oh, for sure. Well, it's interesting because, like, for me, I remember at the time I remember seeing I think the Fantastic Four omnibus, and I wasn't buying as many collected editions at the time, mainly just buying singles. So I wasn't really big into the collected market. And I don't think I actually started getting an omnibus till kind of a weird one. Uh, it was Secret Wars 2. Uh, but I was lured in because I liked the idea of having an entire event. So for my first few omnibuses, I was mainly trying to get the kind of event ones as opposed to ones collecting particular runs. So I was getting, you know, Secret Wars 2. Um, trying to think of some Acts of Vengeance, Atlantis Atlanta, Attacks. Atlantic, yeah, yeah. Like, I was really kind of trying to tap into these event ones. Oh, man, those event, those event omnibuses are great, aren't they? Oh, I love them. Yeah. A perfect use of the uh, format. Oh, for sure. It's actually interesting. I was just I'm looking at the list of omnibuses. Another one that's kind of a weird hodgepodge, but it makes sense thematically, is the Women of Marvel uh, celebrating seven decades, because that's kind of yeah, like... That was a really good one. I, I bought that one when it came out, and it's a good one. So, yeah, that's, that, that makes thematic sense to me in a way that the first issues of each Marvel comic of the 90s doesn't. You know? um, I got a random omnibus question. Okay. Do you think Devil Dinosaur should have been called an omnibus? <laughs> sure, why not? I thought it was hilarious at the time. It was so audacious. I think I remember. I think I remember talking with David Gabriel about it. It just, it just cracked me up because it's just almost like a little in joke to us fans. I thought <laughs> it's like here's this nine issue series, and we're calling it an omnibus. You know, I just thought that was the greatest thing ever. So I thought that was very clever. Plus, you know, the fact that the hero is a dinosaur, and you've got this, you know, dinosaur sized book. For a nine-issue series, it was it was pretty great. For so, for your omnibus of I guess of Amazing Spider-Man uh, or of that era, like the the earlier ones, uh, have you purchased the newer printings or are you keeping to the original printings of the, of the omnibuses? Oh yeah, yeah. I've I've I've, uh, I've I've bought the I bought the more recent printings when there's a reason to. Um, for instance. Um, I know people may disagree with this, but I like the thinner paper that's being used. Um, it makes for a smaller book, uh, a thinner book, and I, I, I don't. It doesn't. The thinner paper doesn't bother me at all. Um, it's. It feels maybe a little flimsier, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it may be a little wavier, I guess, over time. 
Um, it's, but those aesthetics just don't bother me. Like it might bother other people. But the first Amazing Spider-Man book was on thicker paper, and that was like an eleven hundred page book, I think. And man, that book was was huge. Oh, and yeah. so now I think it's been. I think it's like I haven't looked at them to compare, but I they're they're the new the new printing is much slimmer, and I I I like that. So um, yeah, that that's a reason that I would buy the book. And now you know it's so much in the past, but in the past some of the omnibus binding was glued and it wasn't easy open like it is now. And so I would have bought more recent printings that solve that. DC has also begun to, to make, to streamline the bindings on their books so that now they have a consistent level of quality as far as the bindings go. And so those would be, another, that would be another reason why I would buy a more recent printing. But if they just did a new printing, that's the exact same as the previous one. No, I would not buy that. Do you uh, do you miss the uh, the aesthetic, the feel, the touch of the older uh, omnibus volumes when it had a different consistency? You mean the paper stock? Uh, not the paper stock. I meant the actual cover itself of the book. Uh, I don't know how uh, to describe it, but I don't, I don't really notice to be honest. Because the I newer ones are almost it's like a mat. It's it's a mat, uh, almost like a board. I, I'm not verbalizing it well, but the older versions they had a. Um, Ah, they just felt different. Like they were, they were built differently. I don't know but how to describe it. They may have it. been the same um, uh, board quality as like um, the masterworks currently are. I think maybe. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't really. You know, I think I think the newer ones are maybe slicker and flatter, and um, you know, I guess in that sense they're less they're less book quality. I guess mm. what you would consider like a library book, but again. I don't know. Those are just aesthetics that, to me, I, I I care about getting the material on my shelf, and all I care about is that the book doesn't fall apart on me. And <laughs> you know, but once I have it on my shelf, um, I'm, I, I probably I'm happy with the current level of quality of the book. You know, the actual parts of the book. Mm-hmm. That, Doing, so. What's your, your your favorite omnibus that you have? Um, jeez, I don't really think in those terms. But, <laughs> the one that um, you're happiest they put together, maybe. Let's go with that. There's like so many. I mean, I know it used to be a lot easier, like four years ago. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know. I could say like the first Amazing Spider-Man because it has all the Lee Ditko stuff in one book. Mm-hmm. But you know that was I was satisfied by that with the Masterworks. I, you know, I just didn't feel like I. It, so, um, I guess maybe the new Doctor Strange with all the Lee Ditko in one book. Mm. That, that's kind of annoying that that was spread over two books, and um, and to have it in oversized format um, is really cool. But to be honest, I mean, I guess I don't have a favorite because I just really like, I like books that pull together lots of source material and puts them in one book, like the Squadron Supreme classic mm-hmm. that has just come out, has all the Squadron Supreme you could ever want. <laughs> it's all there, you know, from <laughs> decades, decades of continuity, it's all in one book. And, and, and then... Like the even something as cheesy as Atlantis attacks, it's cool to have all those annuals in one book. Um, 
you know, Secret Wars Two is is super cheesy. But oh, it's it's, it's terrible. Stuff. Like it's it's not yeah. good stuff. <laughs> right. So, but I'm but, so glad but, I have it though. It achieves it achieves the goals of what the omnibus does with such precision that it's like that's awesome, and I I think it's a really great it's a great use of the format to um, to do that. So you know I I guess I'm gonna skip out on your question and just say I don't really have a favorite, but any of the books that hit that note to me are mm. are, are my favorite because it's like it's a reading experience you can't get anywhere else. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel that way about the, uh, the untold tales of Spider-Man on Cause I don't think they were ever going to reprint it otherwise again. And I was just so glad to have it. And it came out around the same time as the amazing Spider-Man film. So it made sense, but I'm just so glad I have that. Yeah. You know, what's nuts about Spider-Man is that I think we've had, um, uh, about 10 Spider-Man on books, right? Um, of the Amazing Spider-Man, Peter Parker, and the most recent material we have is that Untold Tales book. Really? Been, yeah, yeah. There's been nothing from after that period. We've had like ten Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man omnibuses, and the most recent vintage material is that Untold Tales stuff from the late '90s, which means that we haven't had a single omnibus of anything from the late 90s forward, which there's so much, it's like almost 20 years now of material that hasn't been in omnibus format. And that includes all the JMS stuff Mm -hmm. and everything from Brand New Day onward, which I'm a huge Brand New Day fan. And and Brand New Day and Big Time or whatever, you know, whatever they call it, the slot era. Um, And I would really love to see that material start to get its due in... um, Omnibus. Well, I guess so. now that now that we're getting complete collections, I mean, we already have them for a big time, and now we're getting them for Brand New Day as well. Maybe it will be kind of the next step once we've had those all published. I hope so. Maybe. I, it is interesting that you make that point, and then we have something like Superior Foes of Spider-Man has its own omnibus. Right. <laughs> but not right. Amazing Spider-Man proper. Right. And, and Ultimate Spider-Man has had two, two volumes. It had the first volume, and then it had the Death of volume at the end. Um, now we just need to see all the material in between. And then also the Miles Morales stuff hasn't been an omnibus. And so you would think that that would be something we would have seen by now. But, uh, you know, but we, all the classic era, Spider-Man, there's been a, there's been a lot. Oh yeah. A whole lot. Is this actually, is, is it crazy to me, it's crazy to me, but may not be crazy to other people that I know why we've had so many, but we have so many Deadpool omnibuses. Yeah, well, it's because they sell. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, of course, like it makes sense, but it just seems like there's so many. Deadpool collected editions is like printing money for Marvel. Well, literally printing money because those things sell and sell and sell. I remember um, the... Deadpool and Cable series that came out and I wanted to get that run in trades and there were like six or seven volumes of it in individual trades and like half of them were sold out and you couldn't the ones that were sold out were going for crazy bucks and I was like well I'll maybe they'll reprint these and they never did and then they, they did the ultimate collection stuff yeah and I remember snoozing on that and like the first volumes went out of print and they sold out and I was like 
damn. And I was like, Marvel needs to do this as an omnibus. Let's do it as an omnibus. So they did it as an omnibus. And I did get that. Okay, good. I got that on day one. But it went, out of, it went out of print. In like six months, seven months' time, it went out of print. And now it's going for big bucks, the omnibus. Wow. So, And that's just one Deadpool series, you know? And so um, Deadpool is by far, I think, Marvel's biggest selling title. And as long as it's selling, I mean, and it has been selling nonstop. So it's not like some, you know, one little moment in time where it was bad. Deadpool has been selling like this for going on now 10 years that I'm aware of. Um, And it just doesn't stop. So you just can't, you can't criticize Marvel for, you know, putting out all these Deadpool on I hope they keep it, keep it up because, you know, you can get most of Deadpool stuff now in Omnibus. In fact, I'm, I'm a little bitter that they haven't put the Daniel Way stuff in Omnibus yet. I'm like, where's my Deadpool by Daniel Way Omnibus volumes? There should be two of them on my shelf. <laughs> now, I hate, why, you, why do you hate me, Marvel? Why? <laughs> well, I mean, haven't they done, have they done complete collections for the Daniel Way stuff? I think they have. I think they've started on that, but again, I don't keep up with those so much. And I do feel that that will eventually come out. And omnibus, so I'm content to wait. But mm-hmm. if it never does, and those complete collections sell out, which they probably will, then I might be holding the bag again, you know. But who knows? Uh, it looks like so far it's been two years since uh, they ended the uh, Daniel Way complete collections, and they're all still in print. Okay. So you still have a shot, at least I for do. now. Maybe for Christmas, Santa will get me my Daniel Way collection. I love that Daniel Way run. It's my favorite Deadpool run. Uh, it just made me laugh so hard. That I was never a Deadpool fan before that run. I had just never really followed the character, and uh, that made me a fan. So, any final thoughts on Epic Collections? Our original reason for talking today. Well, yeah, we one thing I was gonna geared up was geared up to talk about that was the the fact that we were with Essentials for so long. Mm. Um, and I remember in the late nineties when essentials started, um, when I came on the scene in about 2000 is when I started the website and 2001 was when I started the, the message boards. And so essentials were sort of the main way that Marvel was collecting their classic material. Um, masterworks was on and off and on again and off again. You know, but Essentials was like the regular thing. And I remember so many fans being sort of disappointed by that um, because Essentials were just black and white phone books. You know, uh, but they built up their own little fan base. People really dug dug the Essentials. And uh, I think to this day, I bet some people still miss the Essentials. But it's funny that, you know, back when the Essentials were going, Marvel Editorial just was like, we can't afford to put these out in color. You know, a 500-page trade in color, uh, it would cost us too much to make, and we don't think people would buy them. And so that was how, you know, things went for a long time. Um, But I think that tastes have shifted. Um, Consumers, the collected editions consumers that Marvel's targeting really do now have made it clear that they like these bigger collections. DC has adopted the same strategy, so you know 
that the companies are aware of this and they're catering to that. And also the financials that Marvel had to deal with 20 years ago have uh, made it more feasible to, to do essential sized books in full color. You know, um, Marvel's got their um, inventory now streamlined. They know what they have and they can access it easier and they've got um, their sort of um, they've got their teams of, of recolorists and, and re, you know, um, people to restore these books as a, as a pretty smooth, streamlined thing now. And so, so it's just funny now at this point how essentials we've gone from essentials being basically the only way Marvel would output this material to being such a distant part of the past. You know, it's like. Could you imagine them continuing the essentials now? I just can't, you know. Mm. Or showcase presents, you know. Those, I think we now are in this new era where we, we can get the epic collections have sort of firmed up the way um, collected editions are going to come for the foreseeable future. So, I almost forgot I had a few questions from the message board to ask you. Okay. Phonics Monkey Volume 2 has a few questions. But, uh, let's, he, he prefers it this way. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's almost like a lightning round. First, Coke or Pepsi? Oh, my God. Actually, um, I'm a Coke guy because I grew up in the South, um, and I also lived in Atlanta for a long time. But having said that, um, I do like to have a Pepsi every few months. I will consciously buy one uh, because I like Pepsi as well. So both. Okay. Uh, why can't Disney just buy ROM, Micronaut, Shogun Warriors 2001, and Godzilla? Well, there's an easy answer to that question. Disney hates us. <laughs> they have an active and abiding hate for all fans of Marvel, and they're punishing us, and that's why. And uh, I hate them forever for that. My hatred is like a nuclear furnace burning for Disney for not buying ROM and Micronauts. <laughs> it's uh, an expression of total disrespect for me as a comic book fan. <laughs> uh, do you think we'll ever see Golden Age or Atlas era epics? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, well, we've seen Golden Age Omnibus with Captain America and with the Marvel Comics. Now, Marvel Comics Omnibus was key to the 75th anniversary of Marvel and the Captain America was key to, uh, I think, a movie. Um, I think so. That, that that first Captain America movie, which was set in World War II. Um, as far as epics, uh, I would say probably not. Uh, I, I just, you know, it's just such a. I, I would just say probably not. I think that I think that the next time you'll see that material is probably in Masterworks, um, and I, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say never see it. Obviously, if you read back to what Corey talked about, you know, Corey definitely wants that material. It just needs to be the right time. And uh, people just, the cost of restoring that material is, is high and the amount of people that buy it is low. And as long as that calculus remains, then Marvel will always have stuff ahead of it to put out. And, um, we got a ton of Golden Age and Atlas era stuff already. 
And, um, you know, I don't know if we'll see more of it. But as far as epics, I just I just think epics have their handful with Silver Age and Forward that they're not going to they're not going to mess make it further messy by um, implying to people that we're going to see all this Atlas era and Golden Age stuff in epics. That's just my gut feeling. I honestly have never talked to anybody about it whatsoever, but that's just how I feel about it. Actually, I have a question to interject there. Given your earlier earlier comment about Deadpool being a reason for printing money, or basically being printing money, do you think it's interesting that we haven't seen a Deadpool epic yet? I don't. I don't think we've needed to see one. Um, I think. Uh, uh, I think that um, they've had too much fun organizing the material with Omnibus, mm. and you know. And with uh, with I guess c- complete collection or classic trades, I think they've uh, I think Deadpool sells really well through the book market outside of the direct market. It sells well both places, but I think Deadpool sells so well in the regular book trade that Deadpool Classic series has not lost one inch of its scalability. I mean, every one of those books sells, and it probably sells more than the last one. And so they don't want to rock that line, you know. Um, Deadpool has broken all the rules, and I think that. So why why break it if you don't have to? With the omnibus books, you know, Deadpool wasn't as hugely popular in the '90s as he is now. So there's less of that material. But what they've done is they've put together that beginnings omnibus, I think, yep. right, uh, which has all his guest appearances and other titles. And that just seems to lend itself more to an omnibus than to an epic collection. True. For Deadpool, and uh, and you know, then they got all the Joe Kelly stuff, which leads right into the Deadpool and Cable stuff, which leads right into the Daniel Way stuff, which they haven't gotten around to yet, but they will. And then they, you know, so Deadpool is pretty seamless with these omnibuses, and I think that's probably where they're they're focused on right now. So, you know, maybe maybe in a few years, but not right now. Back to Phonics Monkey, we've got uh, another question. Will epics ever enter the modern age? I think we sort of talked about that yeah. earlier. I guess I consider modern age to be the Quesada and Gemis regime uh, for Marvel. Which is still so so long ago now. Like it, Well, it is. It is, but who's still sort of running Marvel's publishing is Joe Quesada. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it's, we're coming up on 20 years now. Uh, where he had the Marvel Knights imprint, and then it's like seven, 16 years since he's been editor-in-chief. Um, and just, you know, go look at how the, the, the upheaval, in many positive ways, but there was a big upheaval in the way that Marvel Comics were produced. And the decompression and all that stuff, you know, that's all been written about elsewhere. But... Um, the storytelling techniques just changed dramatically from the Harris regime, which was again sort of a you know business as usual. You know, from the Shooter regime and, and all before. You know, it's all a lot of this. You know, that stuff sits well with itself across those eras. But Quesada did something very revolutionary with the way Marvel was put together, and I, I just. So I don't see where epics necessarily fit into that, you know, necessarily. So I, I think epics are going to wind up 
in capping off where each line makes sense mm-hmm. uh, before it Quesada took over. That's just my guess. Now, again, we talked about Wolverine extending into that, and that's so that's a little different, but more often than not, it'll be the exception rather than the rule. So, Last question from Phonics Monkey, I promise. <laughs> uh, isn't Phonics Monkey an attractive as well as ridiculously funny person? Oh, uh, it depends on which one you're talking about. You know, <laughs> are you talking about the uh, online version? Uh, or are you talking about the real human being? Ooh. Uh, the real human being is just a great guy. Um, he's a really sensitive guy, actually, and a real friendly guy, and a real caring guy. The online persona is just awful, just terrible. <laughs> and I would just encourage everybody to just, just ignore him at every turn possible. So, uh, so there's my answer on that. Perfect. Actually, he's great. Chris Shaw is great. His blog is really great. He, he took a very hard-hitting um, analysis on collections, and every fan owes him a debt of gratitude, uh, particularly DC fans, for getting in there and shaking the cage on, on some of the quality aspects of those books because it was, it was his, his agitation that led to a lot of positive change. And so it just goes to show that even, even crazy weirdos like him have their purpose uh, on this planet, they, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Well, John, thank you so much for joining me today and for talking about not just the epic collections, but also the omnibus uh, line as well as the masterworks line. You have, enough, you have enough material for two episodes here, man. Ah, oh, it's this is going to be this is going to be uh, one. I'm gonna. I have a lot of material coming out right now, so I, I think people are going to enjoy uh, over an hour of you. Awesome. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, you're welcome, Adam. Talk again. We'll do. All right, bye-bye.